as we're continuing to think about what beloved community looks like, where all are included, which is harder than it might seem, our text is Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30 and 36 to 43. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who planted good seed in his field. While people were sleeping, the enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and went away. When the stalks sprouted and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. The servants of the landowner came and said to him, Master, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Then how is it? it has weeds. An enemy has done this, he said. The servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather them? But the landowner said, no, because if you gather the weeds, you'll pull up the wheat along with them. Let both grow side by side until the harvest. And at harvest time, I'll say to the harvesters, first, gather the weeds and tie them together in bundles to be burned. But bring the wheat into my barn. Jesus left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, The one who plants the good seed is the human one. The field is the world. And the good seeds are the followers of the kingdom. But the weeds the followers of the evil one. The enemy who planted them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the present age. The harvesters are the angels. Just as people gather weeds and throw them in the fire, so it will be at the end of the present age. The human one will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that cause people to fall away and all people who sin. He will throw them into a burning furnace. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Those who have ears should hear. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I am not a gardener, not by the most generous interpretation of that word. There is land around my house. There are plants on that land. I like many of them. Some of them I planted but I do nothing to care for them. 
And I feel bad about that. I often feel guilty, but I never wake up in the morning and think, ooh, let's go weed. That means our grass is always in danger of being taken over by the dandelions and the clover and what I'm pretty sure are wild violets. I wouldn't mind an all-clover lawn. I'm okay with that. The bees would enjoy it, and it's soft underfoot. The wild violets have claimed the southwestern corner of our house and are on the march. And our house in Tacoma was the house where all the grass had been pushed out by the dandelions. We were that house, sharing dandelions with everybody around us. And yet, I still love dandelions. They are unkillable, which you kind of have to admire. And their leaves can be eaten or steeped into tea. How can you not love something that reproduces not only on the wind, but on the breath of children's wishes? All of that is to say, I love this parable. It is a divine permission slip to not weed. Jesus says, I shouldn't. However, that's often the only part of this parable that I remember. And so when I go back and read it, I'm always struck by how violent it is. There's talk of an enemy, the devil, fire, weeping, grinding teeth. There's something to be said for one person's weed is another person's wildflower. But this is not that. This is Jesus saying, there really are weeds. There is evil in the world. Sometimes we say, or we hear others say, evil's not really real. Things that appear bad are actually good because God's in charge and everything's going to be good. So there's no truly bad thing. Nope, says Jesus. There are real forces that sow death and separation, alienation among us. And in the same way that love is more than the sum of its parts, so too evil. Love begets love and violence begets violence. Always. Evil, like love, has a life of its own. No one is served by pretending it's not real.
But then the question becomes, tangled, evil is real and entangled with the good. What do we do? I don't like literal weeding, but I am sure prone to pointing out the things that are wrong in the world, in other people, in myself. I love to pass judgment. Even when I don't want to, I do. So, it's something of a relief to hear Jesus say, don't pull out the evil stuff in yourself, in others, in the world. He says, see all that bad stuff? Leave it alone. It's not for you. Truth is, you're not actually so good at judging between wheat and weeds anyway. You'll pull the good stuff up with the bad. Your desire for a monoculture is going to do more harm than good. Now, this is not an argument for complacency. We read scripture within scripture. Even within just the rest of the Gospel of Matthew, there are strong calls for ethical action. Two things can be true at the same time. Yes, seek good and resist evil with all your might. And also, recognize with some humility not always great judging which is which. And that impulse to judge and condemn others and ourselves usually does more harm than good. We try to solve ecological crises by exterminating a problematic species and then discover, oh, it's kind of essential. Now what do we do? We try to deny or repress or root out some part of ourselves that we don't like. Then the problems multiply. They don't go away. And the impulse to judge and cast out gets really dangerous when we get into groups. We end up with inquisitions and witch trials and collaring people with burning tires. We end up harming each other, leaving people out in the cold. And we can't let ourselves think it's just those other Christians who do that. I'm not like them. There are pushes for ideological and theological and moral purity on all sides. In fact, there are 
46 Presbyterian denominations. 46. Each one of them formed out of conflict and certainty that the others weren't right. So we will separate ourselves. That doesn't begin to count the flavors of Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran or the countless, literally countless churches that go it alone. I didn't like group projects in school because I was always convinced if I could just get that one slacker out of there or that one person who just complicates everything, you know them, out of there, then we'd be good, which there was always a problem person. There was always someone else. It's probably me, not them. John Calvin wasn't a particularly relaxed guy. He was fairly certain about what was right and what was wrong. He even established a theocracy to make sure everybody would act right and not wrong. Which is why it shocked me to come to his commentary on this parable and read that he had written, under the pretense of zeal, many are more contorted than they need to be. For nowhere is an absolute purity seen. And they go mad and ruin everything with their harsh strictness. Calvin said that. They ruin everything with their harsh strictness. We cannot solve our problems by rounding up all the people who are wrong, locking them up, casting them out. We've tried that. It does not work. The truth is there are forces beyond our control, inside and out. Getting rid of the bad apples won't help if the barrel itself is moldy. And the promise, the incredibly good news to my mind, is that there will be ultimately a refining fire that I do not have to light myself. May not sound like good news. Talk of fire in churches can be awfully dicey, used to terrify rather than build up. But I think this fire is good. 
The author of Matthew has this unfortunate habit when he recounts parables of interpreting them in a way that divides people neatly into categories. The good and the bad, the wheat and the weeds, the goats and the sheep. And the truth is, none of us are all good or all bad. None of us is all goat or all sheep. We're kind of sheepish goats. We are a field with wheat and weeds both growing in our hearts. And so I believe what Jesus is talking about here is what the prophets called a refining fire. Fire turns weeds into ash that when mixed with compost return lime potassium to the soil. Fire melts separating the dross so that it can be skimmed off leaving pure gold. Fire renders meat and tough vegetables edible unlocking calories to survive. And fire can clear the ground of overgrowth and warm the soil and wake up microbes that, uh, that turn decaying plants into nutrients that wildflowers need to bloom and the butterflies dance in ecstasy. That fire is promised. We don't have to make ourselves perfect or other people. We can't. But the one who loves us will redeem us, will draw us in that never-ending love. For that, thanks be to God. Amen.